Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's time for our Week 11 preview in the Big Ten. We're getting towards the end of the season. Uh, you feel a little chill in the air. It's starting to come out. Actually, it was really warm here this week. I don't, I don't know why I said that. It was 70 mm-hmm. degrees here in southern Indiana yesterday, but I assume it'll get colder. That's usually how the seasons work. We're getting there. Whole lot to play for this week in the Big Ten, and we're going to break it all down. But joining me, as always, to talk about all that and more, is Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. This is pod four out of a four pod week for me. I did, of course, this show earlier this week, Block O show yesterday, off script this morning, and then the second first and ten to round it out right now. Great week for me. But how about some news for you? I see a quarter zip you got on, repping the pride of the Midwest, the Indiana Pacers. Tell Exciting times. I will tell the people, yeah. So I'm starting uh, to work with my hometown NBA team, the Indiana Pacers, as of next week. So uh, that is going to be what the world looks like for me going forward for at least the rest of this season. So extremely excited. Uh, if you've heard me on this program before, you know my love of all things Indiana sports, and the Pacers are certainly a big part of that. So uh, I'm incredibly grateful and incredibly excited for the opportunity. Thank you, Reed. I was going to wait until the shout-outs to – Shout out the the folks at the Fieldhouse for hiring me, and I'm grateful for that. So um, can't wait to get started, but thank you, Reed. There, there's my, my shout out of the episode. We'll, we'll get it out of the way early. Shout out to you for shouting out me. Oh, well, so, thank you. Shout out Palooza here on the first and 10. But beyond all that exciting news, we've got some exciting football in the Big Ten this week. I really think that in terms of a Saturday slate and, and what we have to play for in pretty much every single game on the calendar, Reed, this is one of the best slates we've seen all year in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, just so many games with with implications right now. I mean, obviously, the Michigan-Penn State one is the biggest one. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. at length in this episode. That's our game of the week. Um, but, you know, if we can just jump right into my what to watch for, we get some games where ball eligibility could be decided. We have four teams this week who could qualify for a bowl game. One team will qualify for a bowl game because Maryland and Nebraska both have five wins. They're playing one another. And then you have Minnesota at five and four taking on Purdue on the road. Wisconsin at five and four taking on Northwestern at home. Northwestern, they can't earn bowl eligibility this week, but they can put themselves in a better position if they beat Wisconsin. So lots of stakes this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could see some teams, we could see Nebraska end the longest bowl drought in the FBS. We could see a couple more teams punch their ticket to bowl season. So, some exciting things to keep an eye on this week. I think it's the Power Five, not the FBS, but point oh, still stands. Yeah. It's a long bowl drought for Nebraska that's got a real shot at being snapped this week. They probably should have snapped it last week, if we're being honest. But, hey, they've still got five wins, and they've still got a shot to do that this coming week. But, Reed, I think every single team in the Big Ten is alive in terms of bowl eligibility, except for Purdue, which, you know, they scheduled that really hard out of conference, and we harped them on that in week two or week three of the season. So everybody but Purdue is still alive. Every single game has something to play for other than, I guess, Purdue and Minnesota. But even then, Minnesota's got a shot to get to bowl eligibility this week if they can win in West Lafayette. Game Purdue is actually favored in at home despite them sitting at two and seven. So really an extremely interesting slate all across the Big Ten. A lot of teams playing for their lives this week, a lot of teams in that six loss or five win range who have a lot at stake this week. We'll get into all that later, but let's set the stage there with that. Reed, I'll tell you what I'm watching for. This Rutgers-Iowa game, I'm on good bowl watch here. Number one, we're on over-under watch. 
Again, one of the lowest over-unders I think we've ever seen. I believe it's lower than last week's over-under. It's 28 and a half. There's something to watch for if they could somehow score even fewer points than they did last week. Iowa keeps setting new lows, but I'm on good bowl watch here, Reed. It feels like the winner of this Rutgers versus Iowa game is going to put themselves in a position to potentially make a serious bowl game like a Citrus Bowl or, God forbid, a New Year's Six. Is that out of the question for either of these teams? If if Rutgers finishes 9-3 and or Iowa finishes 10-2 and and loses in the Big Ten Championship game, you could potentially see one of these two teams in either a Citrus Bowl or maybe, maybe depending on how things shake out, a New Year's Six game. This is a really Rutgers will not make a New Year's Six no matter what. We'll, we'll say that right now. I, I, I think that's fair to say, but but Iowa could. Iowa could. Rutgers could make a Citrus Bowl though, which I think is one step below the New Year's Six. Yeah, Rutgers absolutely could, and yeah, and that of course would, would depend on how a couple other things shake out in the Big Ten. But yeah, I mean, this would be the best bowl game Rutgers has gone to in quite some time, as long as I can remember. And Iowa as well, not including their illegitimate appearance at the Gator Bowl. Right, exactly. Um, and then Iowa, they it, it would be their first New Year's Six since the New Year's Six distinction came into play in the playoff era. Uh, I'm not sure what no, they, they made. Uh, they made a Rose Bowl. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. They did make Stanford. Yeah, pardon me. Yeah, that's right. Would be the first one since that Stanford Rose Bowl, though. Um, and, of course, they've gone to Citrus Bowl a handful of times. But still would be a big moment for them in a season where, you know, you're, you're firing your offensive coordinator, your QB1 goes down, offense is historically bad. To go to a New Year's Six would be insane. I think they would get trounced in whatever New Year's Six game they go to. But uh, it, it would be really interesting to see. And it's absolutely possible. Uh, if, they, if they go 10-2, and two, at least look alive in the Big Ten Championship, maybe not, you know, threatened to win but if they just look somewhat competent there that's on the cards i think it absolutely is reed and a, a win this week for either of these teams would go a long way towards the the difference between all due respect to the music city bowl the music city bowl and the citrus bowl we respect the music city bowl in this program clearly but you know that's the difference i i think is if you win this game kind of just makes that that eight and four is a little prettier than a seven and five or a, a nine and three is prettier than an eight and four when there are so few games in this sport in the regular season, every single one matters, especially at this point in the year. And I think that one is going to make a huge difference uh, in the caliber of bowl game that either one of these teams will be sent to. All right, Reed, let's talk about our uniform matchup of the week. I'll give you the floor here. What is your uniform matchup of the week? Uniform matchup of the week is Ohio State versus Michigan State. Ohio State, of course, breaking out the gray alternate jerseys. This is a jersey I've been wanting to see the team wear for a while. uh, And it was announced that this summer that, that uh, the jersey existed and it would be worn against Michigan State. Sort of a game I've been waiting on for a while. And I was kind of wondering when I saw the first pictures of this uniform come out, what is this going to look like on the field? Because, of course, there's always a difference between how it looks in that media room and how it looks on the field. The team actually released a video about 10 minutes ago or so of uh, of an assistant coach wearing the uniform, dressed up as a player uh, in the stadium at night, sort of a hype video for this uniform. And I will say, in the stadium, it looks awesome. We saw some pictures of Marvin Harrison Jr. and JT Tuimolo out as well wearing the uniform. Um, I think this is going to be a big win for the team uh, uniform-wise. I also think it'll be a big win on the scoreboard, but mm-hmm. wise, I think it'll be awesome. I'm really curious to see what Michigan State is going to wear. I keep checking Twitter to see if they've released their uniform, and I'm looking at it right now, and I still am not seeing anything. Everything as- they've got is nice, though. They have a good set. Right, but I'm, I'm really more just curious. Is Michigan State going to be wearing white? Are they going to be wearing green? Are they going to be wearing black? You know, What's the helmet it. logo going to be? Is it going to be the traditional Sparty, Script State, Gruff Sparty? They've got a lot of options here. 
Yeah, and, and I could see I could see Michigan State wearing white because Penn State wore white against Ohio State's gray a few years ago, so it's possible. I still think it would make more sense if they wore green or black, um, just because that gray versus white can sometimes get a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they just wore a white jersey with green helmets and green pants, I think that would separate them enough from that monochrome gray uniform. Either way, no matter how these teams line up, will be my uniform matchup of the week, mainly just because of that Ohio State uniform. And I'll give you a little plug. I'll, I'll pick the same thing as my uniform match because I do like these uniforms, but I will give you a little plug. You wrote about this in the Lantern this week, so go check that out. Go give it a read. He uh, gave a nice little write-up there on the Lantern. Last time Ohio State wore gray, uh, the Land of the Wolves jerseys back in 2017. And, Reed, you think these are an upgrade over those? I think so, and those uniforms are a bit controversial. I actually like the Land of the Wolves uniforms, but I do like the Scarlet ones, or the Scarlet numbers, rather much more yeah these are a lot more traditional i i would say and that's a look that suits ohio state or a program like ohio state that is very heavy on tradition well in my opinion as well so excited to see these uniforms and uh that is also something worth watching for this weekend on nbc at 7 30 in the shoe all right quick break and then we will get into our predictions for the rest of this week in the big 10 so stay tuned and we will be right back after this Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into the rest of our week 11 recap. So, Reed, we're going games of the week right now. We'll start with our sickos game of the week. Just get this one out of the way. Every game has something to play for. So these aren't truly that sick of games. There are a couple ways you could go. Uh, you've got two one game that has two teams with losing records, and that's Indiana and Illinois. You have one game with an all-time low over-under, and that's Rutgers-Iowa. And then you have one team, or one game rather, where one of the teams has already been eliminated from bowl eligibility, and that is Minnesota-Purdue. Read which is the sickest of these games. I think Minnesota-Purdue is pretty disgusting, but I'm going to say Indiana-Illinois for two reasons. First of all, Minnesota-Purdue is on NBC, so if you're at a restaurant uh, and they just happen to have NBC on, you may end up catching this one. Or if you're just flipping channels, it's on main network TV. you got to go a little bit more out of your way to watch Indiana-Illinois at the noon mm-hmm. slate. You would also have to be watching that instead of Michigan versus Penn State, which would be a really questionable decision. And also just the fact that these team two teams, despite both being alive, they are holding losing records right now. Mm-hmm. It's still as much as, you know, you're riding the Indiana bowl eligibility train. It's more likely than not that Indiana is not bowl eligible. Yes. And Illinois is also pretty on the fence. So we could see both of these teams, no matter who wins, both not qualifying for a bowl. So I and, in all likelihood, we will anyway. But Reed, if there's anything I'm the king of, it's the king of making questionable decisions. And I will be watching Indiana, Illinois on my main television at noon, uh, unless it gets extremely out of hand, which I don't expect because I don't think either of these offenses can score very much. But I'm going to give my sickos game of the week to Rutgers and Iowa. The over-under is 28 and a half. I can't do this. I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't give this sickos game of the week. It deserves it. These teams are at least winning teams. I will give it that. But 28 and a half, man. 28 and a half. Really nothing else to say about that one. Our actual game of the week, though, Reed, it's pretty clear. It's Michigan and Penn State, a top 10 battle in Happy Valley this weekend. The Wolverines, four and a half point favorites. But, Reed, it seems like there is a lot of smoke behind this Penn State team right now. People are really thinking that they can pull the upset. Are you as confident as a lot of the nation is right now in these Sydney Lions? I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan's flat out better. And and I mean, there is something to be said about the Penn State atmosphere. It can make things difficult. But it's not like anyone on this Michigan team is unfamiliar with these difficult environments. I mean, 
J.J. McCarthy in his first season as a starter led his team to a victory in the shoe. That's something no Michigan team's done since 2000. I mean, he can handle any kind of environment. So I don't think that the Penn State stripe out or, or whatever kind of blank out they end up doing for this game uh, is going to affect J.J. McCarthy and the Wolverines too much. And it's, it's across the board, not even just the quarterback, but across the board, a really experienced Michigan team. I don't think any sort of intangible factors will come in to hurt Michigan. And I think just – I just think they're a stronger football team. And we haven't seen them prove it as much. I think Penn State – Losing by only eight on the road to Ohio State, I mean, it proves that Penn State's got some strength to them, but you look at the Penn State offense, it's just check down city. I mean, Drew Aller, you know, he, he has decent stats on the season, but it's not a very creative or dynamic offense. They're pretty predictable. They are pretty easy to stop by a, the tough defense. I mean, Ohio State's defense really bottled them up. I think Michigan plays a similar style there, and I think they have, they're have a similar caliber of defense. So I think Penn State's going to have to be more creative on offense. And I don't know how much I trust them to succeed playing more creatively. So I think Michigan has a big advantage going into this one. I do too, Reed. And I think the stats are absolutely misleading here. If you're watching these games, I agree with you. The way that Penn State's offense runs is pretty easy. They're, they're predictable is what they are. They're easily predicted. That's what I was trying to say. And then I remembered, oh yeah, predictable is a word. And that's what they are. <laughs> um, sometimes the English language doesn't compute in my brain, but at the same time, Sometimes the deep ball doesn't compete with Drew Aller's arm. He's captain checkdown, man. I just do not see a world where Michigan struggles to outscore this team. And you look at their three games after uh, the UMass tune-up game, if you will. And even that Northwestern game right before they played UMass for Penn State, they struggled in the first half of that game. And that was mostly Northwestern giving them short fields and Penn State capitalizing on that in the second half anyway. Struggled on offense against Ohio State, really struggled on offense against Indiana. And then last week against Maryland, they blew him out. But congrats, you blew up Maryland after the month of September. Do you want a medal for that? No. There are a lot of really serious issues with this Penn State team. And if you just look at their season averages, it doesn't do it justice. It really doesn't because it's a predictable offense. Drew Aller's a limited quarterback. I think the Ohio State game proved that especially. And Michigan's just not. Michigan is the most dynamic offense Maybe in the country, I think uh, there, there are days where Washington could rival them. But by and large, Michigan is a machine on offense. And Penn State's got a good defense. They've got that home field advantage at noon. I don't know if it's going to be as good. But really, I think Michigan is just a flat-out better football team in every phase of the game. They're better coached. They're better disciplined. They're better deep. They're better big plays. They're more explosive. They're better on the ground. I think they're better on defense too. It's just a better team. And on the road, it's never easy against a, a good Penn State team, but Michigan is just elite and Penn State's not. It's what we said earlier. There's that famous James Franklin quote about elite teams. Penn State ain't elite. Michigan is. And uh, when I have a chance to pick an elite team against a non-elite one, I'm going to do that. Give me the Michigan Wolverines in this game read by 14 points. So I want to read off two stats for Penn State here that really tell you what you need to know about the Penn State offense. They rank 121st in the FBS in passing yards per completion. Put that into perspective. Iowa is the number 113 <laughs> in passing yards per completion. That stat is courtesy of TND Takeover on Instagram. Um, thank you, Mr. TND, for that one. And then I also want to look back at Penn State's game against a comparable opponent in Ohio State. We talked about this in the recap of that, but I just want to remind our listeners. Penn State against Ohio State was 1 for 16 on third down. If you want to have an offense that's reliant on these short passes, these checkdowns, 
you have to be able to, to do it for three downs. You have to be able to convert a third down and keep drives going. They didn't do that against Ohio State, and I think that's where they're going to struggle is third downs because, I mean, that's sort of where, where the make-or-break moments happen in games like this. And I'm sure because it was so bad against Ohio State, it, it, it will probably be better just by virtue of it not being able to be worse. But I think if Penn State cannot consistently get first downs, especially on third and manageable, they're in some serious trouble. No, I completely agree, Reed, and I don't trust them. I don't think there's been a single like time over the over the last five years when Penn State has been in a position where they somewhat control their own destiny against either Ohio State and Michigan, and the ball is in their court, whether it's at home, on the road. How many times have they come through? How many times have they prevailed? The answer is never. They don't do it. It just doesn't happen. Why would I trust them against an elite team? They just don't win these games. They don't. It's not the program they are. And I need to stop. We need to stop as a society enabling Penn State as an elite team because they're not. And I think this is going to prove it once again. I think this game is a case of it's similar to Notre Dame in New Year's Six games. It's similar to Texas, Miami, Nebraska, and Tennessee in the preseason. Penn State in big games, before you predict them to win, you have to see it actually happen first. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often. Mm-hmm. Penn State has beaten Michigan before. But, I mean, look at what happened last season. They got blown out. And I think the same thing is going to happen here. I don't want to predict too big of a blowout, but I don't think Penn State is really going to hold a candle to Michigan. I could see Michigan going out there and beating Penn State by significantly worse than Ohio State and making a serious claim to be the number one team in the country. I think if that does happen, I think if Penn State wins this one by two scores, then I think Michigan does. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, if Michigan wins this one by two scores, they should be the number one team in the country. Um, You know, even even though I said I don't think Michigan will be phased, I think if you can win big on the road against Penn State, one of the toughest road environments in the country, that says a lot about who you are as a team, and it says a lot about your resilience. I think, though, this is a little bit of a of a prove-it game for Michigan because when we look at Michigan's resume, we talk about all the things that, that go in their favor. We also have to consider that Michigan hasn't played a team like Penn State yet. Even though Penn State has its shortcomings, they're still a solid football team, and there's no one on that Michigan resume. I mean, Rutgers is the best team Michigan's played to date. And I think there's a pretty clear difference between Penn State and Rutgers. I I, I do wonder if Michigan faces a little bit of adversity in this one, because I don't think it's going to be completely smooth sailing. I don't think this is going to be like the Ohio State-Michigan State game two years ago where it's two top 10 teams and Ohio State just kills them. I don't think Michigan's just going to come out of the gates firing, scoring 28 points in the first quarter. I think they are going to hit a little bit of a wall at certain points. I think the Penn State defense will come through here and there. I wonder when that happens, will Michigan stay composed, be able to, to keep things pushing or, or will they sort of shut down a little bit? Cause, cause like I mentioned earlier, I mean, you look at this resume, it's filled with multiple possession wins. Michigan has never scored fewer than 30 points in a game this season. It's just all kinds of offensive blowouts, but the opponents have not been to their, to the caliber of Penn state, the defenses that they've been playing have not been to the caliber of Penn state. And um, you know, I, I do wonder what this is going to look like. You hear shouts for JJ McCarthy to be the Heisman. I think, you know, he'll have uh, certainly two chances to prove it against Penn State and Ohio State, whether mm-hmm. or not he deserves that Heisman. But right now, this is sort of the big J.J. McCarthy, prove you are that elite guy, prove you are the guy who deserves to be a round one draft pick. Um, this is sort of his game to step up to the plate. I'm excited to see what he does. I think it's going to be an electrifying performance, but I think it could also be a worrying one. Mm-hmm. Um, but my prediction is going to be a big Michigan win. What's that final score prediction? Let's hear it. I'm going to go ahead and say Michigan 38, Penn State 17. Wow. Three scores. Yeah, I, I think Michigan wins by a significant margin here. Some of those points might come in, come in garbage time, but I think the only Michigan way... Michigan have been the kings of garbage time this year. Let's add that, too. That's true. They play their um, starters a lot in these blowouts. 
Yeah, and I think this game is sort of going to be about who establishes the tempo. I think if Penn State can keep this one a slow sort of gruel it out game, they could win it. But I think Michigan is just, I think Michigan is able to win low scoring and high scoring games. We haven't seen them in a low scoring game this season, but I think their 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 track record and their, their past results have proven that they can tough it out. And I think Michigan's depth ultimately is what makes them so good is that they can play multiple different styles. I think Penn State is going to have to establish a, a slow tempo in that one, and that's their best bet to win. I still just can't put my full faith in it. I'm saying Wolverine's big. I like the Wolverines too, Reed. I think we are in agreement there. That's big noon kickoff on Fox, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Also in the noon window, Reed, Indiana, Illinois, in Champaign, these two teams fighting for their lives. Hoosiers, one loss away from no bowl eligibility, but three wins away from bowl eligibility. On the flip side, Illinois needs to win two of their last three to get in. Anything else, and they are out of bowl season. Illinois is a six and a half point favorite at home. Reed, can the Illini keep the winning streak going? Can Hoosiers keep their winning streak going? Who you got here? I say it's going to keep rolling for Illinois. Um, I think if this one was in Bloomington, it could be a different story. But these are two teams that I sort of see pretty evenly. Start of the season sort of rough. They've been picking it up lately. Um, sort of those those middle tier, middle to bottom Big Ten teams. I think Illinois just has the slight edge because, you know, they've been here before. They, they had a much better season last year. And frankly, they're the home team. And really, I think this is a, sort of a dead even game. And you have to have one reason to pick a team over the other. So I'm saying Illinois mainly because of that home field advantage. Head coach, quarterback, home field, and an even matchup is what I look at. Illinois has got the home field. I think Illinois has the better coach. I think Indiana's got the better quarterback. If not me, then who, Reed? I'll take the Hoosiers here, I believe. If not me, then who? Somebody's got to do it. Uh, give me Indiana by three, I believe. But also my patented picking a close game method says Illinois will win. So really, I'm, I'm choosing both sides. That way I always come out on top. There you go, Mac. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we're going for. We're playing both sides. Uh, that is noon on BTN. Also in the noon window, Maryland and Nebraska in Lincoln. Both of these teams, one win away from bowl eligibility at five and four. This one is on Peacock. The Terps, two-point road favorites. Reed, I am hammering the Huskers in this game. Home dogs. I love a home dog, especially when I think these two teams are pretty even. And in the last few weeks, Maryland has looked borderline terrible Reed, give me nebraska here by seven i don't think they blow them out and i think they finally do it bark for me Reed. oh love a home dog <laughs> let's go nebraska i'm hammering that line as well I, I like him straight up but i would also definitely take him with the spread there um yeah maryland just been slipping lately and i think nebraska really needs to be bowl eligible i think they're the whole team is going to feel how badly they need this win and i think this is one of their best chances to get that bowl eligibility you end the season with wisconsin and iowa wisconsin on the road is no easy task mm -hmm. and then iowa of course likely to win the big 10 west and a team that's had nebraska's numbers yep. we've talked about pod i think nebraska really needs to win this saturday and i think they do in front of nebraska their own fans fine. you got to just think the crowd wills them to victory in this one right nebraska this this is one of the best home field advantages in the sport, and they haven't had a game with this kind of magnitude, this type of stakes for their program, and a program that has really been to hell and back in the last few years. They have really, really, really been put through it, Nebraska fans. Got to feel bad for them as one of the true iconic teams in the history of this sport to have suffered as much as they have. Granted, it's not like they've, you know – had great teams on the field that have gotten unlucky every year. Sometimes that's been the case, but 
it feels like eventually something has to break Nebraska's way and in front of 90,000 of their own people. With this on the line against a team that's reeling, I think they finally get it done. It's going to be all the more special to do it in front of that big red crowd in Lincoln. We've got the Huskers here. All right, Reed, 330 window, BTN, Rutgers at Iowa, 28 and a half is your over-under. Iowa is a one-point favorite at home. Reed, can we talk about the over-under first? 28 and a half over-under, what you got? Um, I'm actually going to go with the over on this one. Okay. No, we'll go under, good. I believe. All right. All right. I've got, Iowa. I've got Iowa by three. I'm actually going to go, give me the Knights. Give me the Knights on the road. Winning a wow. kick is no easy task. But I just feel like Rutgers, I think, after what they did against Ohio State last week, they played really well against the number one team in the country, and they did not come out on top. I think they're going to have this feeling of, uh, of unfinished business. I was a team where, you know, they're another ranked opponent. It's on the road, I think. But I don't think they are as good as the 22 number next to their name suggests. So I think Rutgers mm-hmm. is going to have that intangible, fired-up aspect of going on the road to a ranked team. And uh, paired with the lack of prowess on Iowa's side, give me the Scarlet Knights. By the way, I'll, I'll give you a note here. Iowa might be 22 in the college football playoff rankings, but in the student media poll, unranked, only received – 22 votes so goes to show this is the best and only legitimate ranking system that there is and i think i agree with you reed because this iowa team is not ranked caliber but if you're somebody who believes in the college football playoff rankings being the superior one you're entitled to that opinion not not going to say we agree but you're entitled to it and a 22 next to their number on the road in kinnick stadium against a, a program of iowa's caliber traditionally would this be rucker's biggest win other than i think beating michigan once since joining the Big Ten? Yes, I, I think absolutely. Because Michigan, if I recall correctly, was not that good that season. They weren't. And I think, you know, just the name Michigan and beating them, that was in 2014, their first year in the Big Ten. That means something, but it wasn't a particularly good Michigan team. I, I don't think either. But yeah, this has huge potential for Rutgers. Could be their biggest win. season. What, what year was it? They were they were five and seven that year. This okay. was absolutely for the Big Ten. Yeah, so they beat a, a mediocre Michigan team and kept them out of bowl eligibility effectively. So that's something. But I, I think beating this Iowa team on the road uh, would certainly mean a lot, especially given the way that Rutgers has suffered. I, I think to put it lightly, for most of their seasons in the Big Ten, this road win would mean a ton. I think there's a lot to watch for there. All right. Also in the three thirty window, NBC. Minnesota at Purdue. Boilers a one-point favorite at home at Rossade. Reed, this is a Purdue team that has really struggled in recent weeks, but they've also been on the tough end of one of the, the worst schedules, I think, in the country. Just brutal game after brutal game. Their last four, it's been at Iowa, against Ohio State at home, at Nebraska, at Michigan. They're 0-4 in those games. They are currently out of bowl eligibility. Their season is over. There's nothing to play for except for pride. And I think the Boilers play for a little bit of pride this week and take down Minnesota. I've got Purdue by three. No, real quick, can I just say, what the hell is going on with this game being on NBC and Rutgers, Iowa being on BTN? I understand right. the over-under aspect of Iowa makes it a little bit less attractive of a game. But, you know, you're looking at a scenario where you have a 7-2 and two team and playing a 6-3 and three team. And then you have a five and four team playing a two and seven team. And I would understand if this was, you know, 2014 and some of the big name teams like Penn State and Michigan are bad. And maybe it's two and seven Penn State 
hosting five and four Michigan, but those brand names are big enough where it just makes sense for them to be on main network TV. But it's not like Purdue and Minnesota are these big national brands. Yeah. And maybe ABC just has a deal like the SEC used to have where they have to play each team on their network a certain number of times. And this is just to fill that quota. Purdue has been on NBC a ton this season and Peacock. Exactly. It's like every week Purdue's playing NBC games. Yeah. So I, so I really am just curious as to what's going on with a non-volleyball team hosting a, a team that's, you know, no disrespect to Minnesota, but not very good this season and also not a very big brand. I don't really get what's happening. I mean, tickets are as low as $4 for this one. I don't really see why this one is on main network NBC instead of this game that, like you said, is for good bowl watch between Rutgers and Iowa. But my prediction in this one, I'm going to say Minnesota, just because Purdue has so little to play for. I think Minnesota wins and becomes bowl eligible. I think because Purdue has so little to play for, they're playing with a little bit of house money and they get it done. That's my prediction just because I, I don't really like this Minnesota team at all. Hey, I'd rather see Northwestern Wisconsin in the NBC window as well, by the way. I think that would be way better than, than this Purdue game. But it's national TV for a Purdue team whose season is over and a Minnesota team who is also about as unwatchable as Iowa's offense at points, I, I would argue. Why people from other conferences think the Big Ten sucks because these <laughs> are the games we get on NBC. This is why they think we play boring football in this conference. Yeah, and I mean, none of these games in the 330 window – include teams that are particularly electrifying on the offensive side of the ball offense sells right but Rutgers, still, Rutgers Iowa Minnesota Purdue Northwestern and Wisconsin all have offenses that at one point or another in this season could be described as anemic at best and they're all playing in the 330 window go figure but still two of those teams have winning records or one of those matchups has two teams of winning records I mean that that's that's good enough. And two of those matchups have all four teams with their season still alive, and Purdue season is not alive. So yeah. I, I don't I don't get this decision either, Reed, but there's probably some sort of contract mumbo jumbo that is the reason why it's happening. All right. 330 window. We alluded to it a little bit earlier, but Northwestern at Wisconsin, Camp Randall, Badgers nine and a half point home favorites, but they've been reeling the last few weeks, including a loss in Bloomington last week to the Hoosiers. Reed, Northwestern, sitting at four and five, still a chance to go bowling. They've got to win two of their last three against Wisconsin, Purdue, and Illinois. Two of those are on the road. Purdue will be the home game. But, Reed, can they get it done this week? I say no. I think Wisconsin bounces back, but it's close. I'll take the Badgers by six. I'm going to say Badgers by three. And I think other than the Ohio State game, I don't know if I've picked against Wisconsin a single time this season. So they've definitely had some mixed results when I go with them. Did you pick Washington like, State? I don't think I did. I did. I don't know I if did. you did or didn't. Okay. I'm, I'm fairly certain I picked Wisconsin. So, yeah, uh, Wisconsin fans, it's sort of like when Lee Corso picks uh, picks your team. Some fans love it. Some fans hate it. Uh, I'm not sure how this one will go for, for my prediction. But I'm going to say Wisconsin. I think – I. This is one where it's sort of a coin flip game for me, but I think, again, the home field advantage, just the fact that even though Wisconsin is not at the best season and Northwestern has been surprisingly good, Wisconsin has better players and a better coaching staff, and I think they, they will prevail for that reason. I feel the same way, Reed. All right, last game, 7.30 NBC, Michigan State at Ohio State. Buckeyes, 31.5-point favorites under the lights in the shoe in November. Reed, I hope you can find the stat by the time you broadcast this game. When was the last time Ohio State played a 7:30 game in the month of November under the lights in the horseshoe? I'm pretty sure it's never happened. Wow. Fairly... So that's some history. 
Now, and I haven't fact checked that, but I I know that it's just unheard of to play a night game in November, and I'm fairly certain it has not happened um, for Ohio State ever. So yeah, potentially some history. We'll try and look into that stat. But in the meantime, read Ohio State will win. The question is by how much. I'll say Ohio State by 35. They get a late cover here. I'm gonna say Ohio. I said on the Block O show earlier this week, Ohio State 42 to six, and I'm rolling with that prediction. I think Michigan State scores but it's only field goals i think ohio state blows them out but i don't think it's a 60 point western kentucky type scoring outing um just kind of a standard ohio state big win against a pretty bad team yeah yeah that that feels about right unspectacular but more than enough to get the job done if that's not the story of this ohio state team this year i don't know what is but hey they keep it rolling they keep getting it done and that's all that counts at the end of the day all right, that'll do it for our predictions this week. Reed, before we go, any shout-outs you want to make before we close this one out? I'm going to give a shout-out to Zachary Rodier, my broadcast partner for the game. You can check it out at scarletandgraysportsradio.com. I'm doing the radio call with Zach for that one, Ohio State versus Michigan State. The gray out in the shoe, prime time. I know a lot of people love watching those NBC games with the NBC broadcasters, but if you prefer a little different flavor, check out the student radio call. Uh, it'll be a great one. So yeah, shout, sportsradio.com. shout out to both of you indeed, Scarlet and Gray Sportsradio.com. I'll be tuned in for sure. Uh, so long as this game is competitive, I could see myself uh, lasting for the first few Ohio State touchdowns and then, uh, you know, t- turning on a better game. All due respect. But hey, if I'm watching it all, it's going to be for the broadcasters here on Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Maybe try and sync up my. NBC stream to the uh, the broadcast on SGSR, try and do a little watch and listen at the same time. I don't know. I'm going to try and figure it out, but I recommend you all give it a listen to because we know Reed is going to do a great job on the mic. All right, Reed, anything else before we close this one out? Nothing here. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of the first and 10. We'll be back next week to recap all of this that we just previewed. But until then, for Reed Murray, my name is Patrick Feltz. Enjoy your college football Saturday, and we will see you next time. Bye.